The U.S. Supreme Court this week issued what may be its most significant decision ever for gays and lesbians. We are free today! The court has said today that morality, matters of right and wrong behavior, do not matter in the law. We never chose to be public figures or to take on this fight, but we also never thought we could be arrested this way. Today, being gay is not a crime. <laughs> Welcome to This Way Out, the international LGBTQ radio magazine. I'm Lucia Chappelle. And I'm Greg Gordon. Our news wrap crew has taken time off to enjoy the holidays, but they'll be back the week of January 8th. 2003 was a banner queer year. Some of the events that made it historic are the focus of this week's special show. One 2003 event in particular was arguably one of the most significant queer news stories of the 21st century. 525,600 minutes 525,000-long-and-so-dear 525,600 minutes How do you measure, measure a year? It began when Belgium became the second country in the world, after the Netherlands, to extend full legal marriage to same-gender couples. Thailand's Department of Mental Health declared that homosexuality is not a mental disease, but simply a different sexual orientation. Later in the year, the Thai government officially registered its first GLBT organization. In July, British queers celebrated the long-awaited repeal of the notorious Thatcher-era law, Section 28, that prohibited promotion of homosexuality by local governments and in schools. But under pressure from Anglican conservatives, Canon Geoffrey John declined an appointment that would have made him the Church of England's first openly gay bishop. At almost the same time, Australia's Uniting Church, that country's third-largest Christian denomination, became the first there to approve the ordination of sexually active openly gay and lesbian clergy. The constitutionality of India's law criminalizing voluntary sex against the order of nature was challenged in a Delhi High Court lawsuit. A bill prohibiting sexual orientation discrimination was passed in Mexico, but queer activists there called the legislation's enforcement provisions toothless. All year, police sting operations in Egypt continued to send gay men to prison. Tokyo's Aya Kamikawa became Japan's first transgender elected official. In a vitriolic campaign that intensified during 2003, the Vatican called on Catholic politicians to toe the church line against legal recognition of same-gender relationships. But Brazil's Supreme Court affirmed the rights of gays and lesbians to inherit their deceased partners' social security and pension benefits. And in several rulings, South Africa's highest court continued to urge full equality for same-gender couples. August 1st marked the first time in perhaps 1,500 years that the European political sphere had been free of laws criminalizing private non-commercial homosexual acts between consenting adults. That according to an announcement by the European section of the International Lesbian and Gay Association following repeal of anti-gay laws in Armenia. In November 2003, the Episcopal Church processed into controversy. The U.S. wing of the Global Anglican Communion consecrated the denomination's first out gay bishop, Gene Robinson of New Hampshire. 
2003 brought marriage equality victories in the Canadian provinces of Ontario and British Columbia and in the U.S. state of Massachusetts. And Queer Eye for the Straight Guy became a surprise ratings blockbuster on the U.S. Bravo cable channel. Look at this land. The cultural phenomenon spawned similar shows in several other countries around the world. That was fun, and Queer Eye liberated its share of straight guys. But the biggest queer news story of 2003 liberated millions. It happened as the traditional June LGBTQ Pride celebrations were winding down in the United States. I'm Cindy Friedman. And I'm Christopher Gall. With Newswrap, a summary of some of the news in or affecting the lesbian and gay community for the week ending June 28, 2003. The U.S. Supreme Court this week issued what may be its most significant decision ever for gays and lesbians as it ruled 6-3 to three to strike down Texas law criminalizing homosexual acts. Four justices joined Justice Anthony Kennedy's majority opinion strongly endorsing fundamental privacy rights for gays and lesbians and reversing the high court's own 1986 decision in Bowers v. Hardwick that it supported states' rights to regulate private sexual conduct. This week's ruling is understood to immediately invalidate state laws prohibiting oral and anal sex between consenting adults in private, not only in the four states where they apply exclusively to homosexual acts, but also in nine other states where they apply equally to heterosexual acts. Yet the impact is likely to be much broader, as sodomy laws have been a key argument against equal treatment of gays and lesbians in employment, family law, and other areas. The case brought before the court by the Lambda Legal Defense and Education Fund was that of John Lawrence and Tyrone Garner, who were having sex in Lawrence's apartment in 1998 when police broke in, responding to a phony report of a crazed gunman on the premises. Sort of Gestapo, but that's all I have to say. I, I feel like my civil rights was violated and I, I wasn't doing anything wrong. Both men were arrested on the misdemeanor charge of homosexual conduct, spent the night in jail, and were fined $200 after pleading no contest to the charge. Kennedy wrote for the majority, This case does not involve minors, persons who might be injured or coerced, those who might not easily refuse consent, or public conduct or prostitution. It does involve two adults who, with full and mutual consent, engaged in sexual practices common to a homosexual lifestyle. Petitioners' right to liberty under the Due Process Clause gives them the full right to engage in private conduct without government intervention. The Bible quote-laden text of the Bowers decision had sneeringly called it facetious at best to suggest that the Constitution protected homosexual acts. But Kennedy's opinion, joined by Justices Stevens, Stephen Breyer, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and David Souter, said, To say that the issue in Bowers was simply the right to engage in certain sexual conduct demeans the claim the individual put forward, just as it would demean a married couple were it said that marriage is just about the right to have sexual intercourse. Although the laws involved in Bowers and here purport to do no more than prohibit a particular sexual act, their penalties and purposes have more far-reaching consequences, touching upon the most private human conduct, sexual behavior, and in the most private of places, the home. 
they seek to control a personal relationship that, whether or not entitled to formal recognition in the law, is within the liberty of persons to choose without being punished as criminals. The state cannot demean their existence or control their destiny by making their private sexual conduct a crime. For centuries, there have been powerful voices to condemn homosexual conduct as immoral, but this court's obligation is to define the liberty of all, not to mandate its own moral code. The opinion also referred to findings of the European Court of Human Rights and noted that other nations have taken action consistent with an affirmation of the protected right of homosexual adults to engage in intimate consensual conduct. Even the typically silent conservative justice Clarence Thomas added a brief statement to the dissenting opinion that labeled the Texas law uncommonly silly and declared that if he were a legislator, he'd vote to repeal it, although he does not view it as violating the Constitution. But Justice Antonin Scalia took the unusual step of reading aloud his main dissenting opinion, which harshly criticized his colleagues on the bench. He declared that the majority, and indeed the legal profession, has taken sides in the culture war and has signed on to the so-called homosexual agenda, by which I mean the agenda promoted by some homosexual activists directed at eliminating the moral opprobrium that is traditionally attached to homosexual conduct. He added, let me be clear that I have nothing against homosexuals or any other group promoting their agenda through normal democratic means. But he warned that the decision effectively decrees the end of all morals legislation, including state laws against bigamy, same-sex marriage, adult incest, prostitution, masturbation, adultery, fornication, bestiality, and obscenity, and would therefore create a massive disruption of the current social order. He said, Today's opinion dismantles the structure of constitutional law that has permitted a distinction to be made between heterosexual and homosexual unions insofar as formal recognition in marriage is concerned, and so leaves on pretty shaky ground state laws limiting marriage to opposite-sex couples, thereby paving the way for a judicial imposition of homosexual marriage, as has recently occurred in Canada. Scalia's leap from decriminalization to marriage rights could be seen as a call to arms on an issue with far less public support than other areas of gay and lesbian equality. But gay activist attorney Evan Wolfson, who heads the Freedom to Marry group, told the Houston Chronicle, I hate to agree with Justice Scalia, but when he's right, he's right. The Bush administration had not submitted a brief in the case, and the president's spokesperson refused to offer any comment on the decision. Along with Texas, Kansas, Missouri, and Oklahoma are the states with sodomy laws on the books that apply exclusively to homosexual acts. The states with sodomy laws that apply equally to heterosexuals are Alabama, Florida, Idaho, Louisiana, Mississippi, North Carolina, South Carolina, Utah, and Virginia. Attorneys general of those states are reviewing the Lawrence decision, and few have yet to say much about it publicly. But most prosecutions for homosexual acts actually occur under hetero-inclusive laws against sex in public places, laws which it's long been argued are disproportionately and even selectively enforced against gay men. Those prosecutions will go forward, as has been confirmed at least for Idaho, Texas, and Virginia. Hi, this is Janice Ian, and you're listening to This Way Out. You ain't gonna get this nowhere else. Our listeners support This Way Out in many ways. By subscribing to our e-newsletter. 
Email us at info at thiswayout.org. And through your financial contributions to our program. More information about how you can give is online at thiswayout.org. Thank you. you. It's hard to believe in a land like this. The freedom we think we have does not exist. Don't ask me why the cops and the feds care in the least what we do in our beds. Cause only an would care what goes into our and who puts it there. And only a person who's really repressed would attempt to decide for the is a giant leap forward to a day where we are no longer branded as criminals. It took 33 years and 351 days after the Stonewall riots, but the U.S. Supreme Court finally decided that queer Americans are not outlaws in their own country because of who or how they love. The Lambda Legal Defense and Education Fund represented John Lawrence and Tyrone Garner, who challenged their 1998 arrest and conviction for violating the Texas sodomy law. Lambda Legal Director Ruth Harlow was lead attorney in the case. What the court did was rule that we have a right under the Liberty Clause of the Due Process Clause. Um, the actual language in the Constitution is liberty and not privacy, but what they are protecting is our right to privacy to make these choices in each one of our bedrooms. It makes a very strong statement both that gay people are entitled to the same respect and protection under the Constitution as our other Americans. And it also does away with the idea that a state can defend discrimination by simply pointing to morality. And this is a ruling that is important to both straight and gay Americans because the right at issue is something that uh, everyone cherishes, and that is the right to make their own decisions, whether they are gay or straight, uh, about how they're going to express their sexuality, how they're going to express their love for another human being. And what about a backlash by the religious right and others who oppose this ruling? Well, I think they are more and more being uh, pushed to the sidelines. The most recent numbers I've seen are 82 percent of Americans thought that this kind of law should be struck down. So what the court has done is catch up with America in that respect. And, you know, we don't have any problem with individuals making their own choices and having their own religious views, but in our country, a minority of individuals cannot dictate those views for the whole country. There's been wide speculation that retirement could create imminent vacancies for President George W. Bush to fill on what many at least used to characterize as a conservative U.S. Supreme Court. Is there an even more conservative court in America's future? Well, the most important thing about the fact that there may be vacancies on the court is just how important the court is and how powerful each justice is. And a decision like this underscores for everyone how much uh, voters should pay attention to uh, what their senators are doing, what the president is doing in screening judicial nominees, because all of our rights are at stake.
This Way Out correspondent David Taffet was with the Sodomites and their supporters in Dallas, Texas. Roger Waddell is president of the Dallas Gay and Lesbian Alliance. How did the uh, law being on the books affect gays and lesbians here in Texas? Well, in employment, for example, a question says, have you ever committed a crime? Not whether you've been convicted of a crime. If you're gay or lesbian and you have had sexual uh, encounters with a person of the same gender, if you say no to get hired, they can fire you for lying. If you say yes, they cannot hire you. So it has been used as a bludgeon against gay men and lesbians for years. Are there other laws in Texas that need to change now? Well, yeah, we need to get rid of DOMA, the Texas DOMA, which precludes recognition of marriage of same-sex couples. Uh, we need to be sure that none of this crazy legislation that would ban adoption or foster parenting by same-sex couples doesn't ever get enacted. And this ruling helps fuel that battle. And I have to say, while I don't want to give them a whole lot of credence, there is an immediate effect for the opposition. They will be incredibly energized by this. Our journey isn't over. Peter Sprague of the Family Research Council. Nothing has changed since 1986 to justify overturning the decision in Bowers v. Hardwick, except for the shifting winds of cultural fashion. Robert Knight of the Culture and Family Institute. You know, in this case, Anthony Kennedy, who wrote the uh, opinion, gave lip service to 5,000 years of Judeo-Christian history, its presence in the law, its formative aspects. This is social engineering by a court. It will have very bad uh, effects on the idea of our Republican form of government. Reverend Rob Schenk of the National Clergy Council. This is a lamentable outcome. The court has said today that morality, matters of right and wrong behavior, do not matter in the law. Reverend Jerry Falwell. Symbolically, America is a nation that for 2,000, well, for 200 years, uh, and, and the culture of the world today for 2,000 years, since Christ's death, burial, resurrection, has respected uh, the marriage uh, system, the, the nuclear traditional family, the husband-wife relationship. And Judge Scalia said what most of us fear, that this is going to lead to the legalization of same-sex marriage, and I think that is an abomination. Brian Goble in San Francisco. We are free today! In the city's historic Castro District, the giant rainbow flag that normally flies so majestically over the city was replaced by the stars and stripes of the American flag as a symbolic thank you to the Supreme Court. In the sweltering heat, a crowd of a few hundred people gathered to celebrate at Castro and Market Streets in front of a sign that read, Keep your laws off our bodies. Kate Kendall is the executive director of the National Center for Lesbian Rights. We will no longer be ashamed. We don't have to be ashamed. And the Supreme Court says today that we matter and we're valuable. That is something we should celebrate. It will require extreme vigilance to assure that we protect this victory. But you're all here. You're going to make it continue to happen. Thank you for everything you've done to celebrate today. Thank you. <laughs> Jennifer Pizer with Lambda Legal, which brought the case before the Supreme Court, said it's time to celebrate, but not forget that many battles lie ahead. We have to redouble our efforts because all of the work has brought us to this place. We have the right to love. 
But we face discrimination, we face violence, our families are unequal, our families are not protected. Justice Scalia's dissent today was a rallying cry for people who believe we should have no rights. It's going to take every one of us recommitting our efforts to make sure that our families get the protection that we deserve. An activist from Amnesty International told the crowd that we should not forget our queer brothers and sisters outside of the U.S. In countries like Egypt, Saudi Arabia, India, and Malaysia, where gay sex is still illegal. Openly gay San Francisco supervisor Tom Amiano said we should also remember legendary activists like Harvey Milk, who was assassinated in San Francisco in 1978. We don't go away. We'll never go away. Harvey Milk, I'm sorry you're not here, but we took your message. you got to give them hope. We got hope. Thank you. For This Way Out, I'm Brian Goebel in San Francisco. This is J.D. Doyle in Houston, the community where it all began back in 1998 when John Lawrence and Tyrone Garner were arrested for sodomy in Lawrence's bedroom. They turned for help to attorney Mitchell Katine, who spoke at a local press conference on the day of the ruling. It has been my honor and pleasure to be the local attorney and cooperating attorney with Lambda Legal Defense on behalf of, of John Lawrence and Tyrone Garner. Today is a historic day for everyone who believes in the privacy of the home the privacy of the family. And I am so pleased that John Lawrence and Tyrone Gardner, who were defendants, are now acquitted and that this crime that was on their record is no longer there. I'm not a public speaker. <laughs> Defendant John Lawrence read a prepared statement on behalf of himself and Tyrone Gardner. We are very pleased with this ruling. We never chose to be public figures or to take on this fight, but we also never thought we could be arrested this way. We're glad not only that this ruling lets us get on with our lives, but that it opens the door for gay people all across the country to be treated equally. We're grateful to everyone who has respected our privacy over the last few years, even if the state of Texas did not respect it that night in 1998. And we thank everyone who saw how important this case was and fought for us. We share this victory with gay people in all 50 states who are better off today than they were yesterday thanks to this ruling. Later, at the rally held at City Hall, Mitchell Katine introduced a variety of speakers and opened the celebration. Today, the United States Supreme Court acquitted John Lawrence and Tyrone Gardner of a law that criminalized gay and lesbian people. And today, as this sign says, being gay is not a crime. One of the speakers was the father of Houston's gay rights movement, longtime activist Ray Hill, who has been involved in many fights to defeat the Texas sodomy statute 2106. We've been looking for that direct criminal appeal on a 2106 arrest for a long, long time. And it was difficult to find because there have only been five prosecutions in Harris County of 2106. And he said, well, if they're not prosecuting, why get rid of it? Because every time you went to apply for a job, somebody thought you're a criminal when you go home and you can't have the job. And every time that you wanted to be a police officer, they said, no, this lesbian violates Texas law when she goes home at night and she can't be a police officer. So we went through that on adoptions. We went through that with custody. We went through that in probate court and we went through that employment. So 2106 was enforced every day but not as a criminal statute. 
I'm an old man. I'm 62 years old. But you know, if I get lucky this afternoon, it will be the first time in my life I have been intimate without violating a law in the state of Texas. That was longtime gay activist Ray Hill. And for This Way Out in Houston, I'm J.D. Doyle. This is Rex Walkner in San Diego. I've decided to make a trip to Texas to celebrate the U.S. Supreme Court decision striking down the bans on gay sex that still existed in 13 states. My Texas buddy, Brett Giovanoni, has a long history of sodomizing me, and it's only right that we do it at least once more, this time without committing a crime. Brett notes, by the way, that he's a hunky, single, and available Texas cowboy. You can also celebrate in Kansas, Missouri, and Oklahoma, which, like Texas, banned sodomy only for gay people, and in Alabama, Florida, Idaho, Louisiana, Mississippi, North Carolina, South Carolina, Utah, and Virginia, which banned sodomy for everybody. I am proud to say that prior to the ruling, I had managed to commit sodomy, that's oral or anal sex, in Alabama, Florida, Kansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, North Carolina, Texas, Utah, and Virginia. I committed the greatest amount of banned sodomy in Missouri, where I had a serious boyfriend for a couple of years in the early 90s, like daily sodomy. Florida, of course, is sodomy central. I've done it in Ocala, Orlando, Daytona Beach, Tampa, Fort Lauderdale, Miami, Miami Beach, and Key West. In Louisiana, I was sodomized repeatedly over a seven-day period in a military barracks. My most recent illegal sodomy was in North Carolina in May, and it was delicious. My naughtiest banned sodomy has been, of course, in Utah, where the Mormon men feel horrible guilt while sodomizing you. In Texas, I engaged in silent sodomy with a woofy deaf boy. So we're legal in all 50 states now. We can get married in Ontario and maybe very soon in Massachusetts as well. Being an outcast, an outsider, a banned minority, that was certainly fun in its own way, and I will, in some sense, miss it. But... The raging river of gay progress is approaching the point where it empties into the ocean and we become just one more ordinary segment of the American melting pot. That's what we wanted, right? For This Way Out, I'm Rex Walkner. And only a person who's really repressed would attempt to decide, but we can turn back the tide by refusing to hide when they attempt to decide for the... Tyron Garner died of meningitis at the age of 39 in 2006. John Lawrence died at the age of 68 of complications from heart disease in 2011. Justice Anthony Kennedy wrote the decision overturning state sodomy laws in Lawrence v. Texas and went on to write the Obergefell marriage equality ruling 12 years later. He retired from the court in 2018. Clarence Thomas is the last remaining justice from the 2003 Supreme Court. He concurred with the 2023 ruling that overturned Roe v. Wade's right to bodily autonomy and suggested that Obergefell and Lawrence should be reconsidered. Thomas himself is at the center of an ethics scandal that has shaken the public's faith in the integrity of the nation's highest court. He and conservative justices Neil Gorsuch and Samuel Alito have reportedly accepted hundreds of thousands of dollars in gifts from right-wing power brokers. The uproar has led the court to publish a watered-down version of the ethics guidelines that all other U.S. judges follow. However, it has no enforcement procedures or penalties, so more drastic reforms are being demanded. 
Those reforms could go forward if the Democrats keep the White House, maintain or increase their majority in the Senate, and flip the House back to a comfortable majority in the 2024 elections. Congress could impose more stringent ethics guidelines on Supreme Court justices. Other possibilities include expanding the number of justices to dilute the current court's partisan majority. As we like to say around here, stay tuned. Thanks for choosing This Way Out, brought to you by the nonprofit Overnight Productions. Our archival correspondents included Cindy Friedman, Christopher Gall, David Taffet, Brian Goble, J.D. Doyle, and Rex Walkner. You heard music from Rent and by John Bazile, Elvis Presley, Kate Smith, Romanovsky and Phillips, and Triumph. Kim Wilson composed and performed our theme music. This way out thanks John Beaupre of Los Angeles and Richard Merck and Brad Payton of Silicon Valley. Listener donors like them make this program possible. Ask us about how you can join them. Look for This Way Out Radio on social media, email us at info at thiswayout.org, or write to us at P.O. Box 1065, Los Angeles, California, 90078, USA. For the entire This Way Out family, I'm Greg Gordon. And I'm Lucia Chappelle. Happy holidays, and thanks for listening online at thiswayout.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Globally on the UK-based World Radio Network. With distribution in Australia by the Community Radio Network. And on a wide array of community terrestrial and internet radio stations around the world, including this one. Stay healthy. Stay safe. And stay tuned, y'all.